Star Wars, The Light of Darkness, by Nyan. Previously, on The Light of Darkness, a generation after the time of Rey's Jedi Order, the Jedi no longer work for the government. They are the government. Jedi Padawan Tara Basai and her master investigate the Insipar system, which has been unresponsive for weeks. Upon entering the system, their ship is attacked, Tara's master killed in the explosion. Terra escapes to the planet below, only to be captured by the New Empire. The New Emperor tries to persuade her to his side with hospitality and delicious food. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, Jedi Grand Master Skor Santarna sends the Jedi fleet to investigate Insipar further. When they arrive, the New Empire fleet overpowers and destroys them. Later, the Emperor uses Force Lightning to torture a Jedi fleet pilot. The pilot spills all of the details of the Jedi. Enraged by the death of her master, Tara Basai kills the stormtroopers tasked with guarding her. And now... Chapter 5 The Emperor walked down the main hallway of the base on Insipar a frown upon his face. He had felt Tara kill those troopers. He had been keeping a tab on them using the Force, suspecting that the girl might try to escape, but he had hoped that she wouldn't. He pulled a comlink out of his belt and contacted the chief security officer of the base. Commander, lock down the base and call a code red emergency, he ordered, beginning to walk faster down the hallway. And cut the lights. The lights in the hallway flickered and died, leaving the base in complete darkness. He fingered the lightsaber at his belt, knowing what he needed to do next. He didn't want to kill her. He sensed she was extremely powerful with the Force, and it would be a great waste of potential to end her life so soon. Unfortunately, if she put up too much of a fight, he would have no choice. The Emperor turned a corner, and he saw Tara standing there, illuminated by her glowing blue lightsaber, the dead bodies of the stormtroopers that he had worked with for years lying beneath her. He grabbed his two lightsabers from his belt and ignited them, feeling the force course through his veins. Tara looked up when she heard the hiss of an igniting lightsaber. Her eyes met with the eyes of a man standing a few feet away, holding two crimson blades. She knew that this was the Emperor, but it was hard to believe it. His eyes were unforgiving and hard, and his face seemed so much more mature. None of the kindness and humor she had seen before. Suddenly, she became fully aware of the dead troopers around her, his dead troopers, that she had mercilessly killed. Tara, his voice was low and dark, you've made a grave mistake. No, please don't kill me, I'm sorry, it was stupid, I... She tried to choke out, but she knew her excuses were feeble. You killed my troopers, you killed my friends, and yet you beg for mercy? He laughed, but the noise was devoid of any real humor. His blades retracted, leaving her own lightsaber as the only light source once again. She tried reaching out in the force to see where he was, but her senses seemed dulled, as if the Emperor was somehow nullifying her abilities. Suddenly the red glow returned, and a searing pain stretched from the bottom of her back all the way to her neck, and her vision completely blacked out. Tara woke up feeling horrible. She was on a cold metal table, at least that's what it felt like. 
Her back felt like someone had ripped it open, filled it with molten metal, and sewed it back closed again. She sat up, ignoring the searing pain in her back, and looked around. She was in a blank white room, sitting on a large metal table. A few feet away, his black clothes in a stark contrast with the white walls, stood the emperor. He didn't look angry or happy that she had woken up. He just seemed thoughtful. Why am I not dead? Tara asked him. Her voice was hoarse from lack of use. I do not wish to kill you. You are just a child, he replied. Tara had to resist a laugh. She thought it was rather obnoxious of him to call her a child when he looked no more than a few years older than her. Instead, I have decided to give you a second chance. I will put you on a small pod, programmed to take you back to Coruscant, where you can resume your life as a Jedi. But if you ever hurt one of my own ever again, I will not hesitate to kill you instantly. Do you understand? Tara bit back an angry retort and nodded, stunned at her own luck not to be immediately killed. She didn't resist when stormtroopers entered to escort her out of the cold white room and into a massive hangar bay where they dumped her into a small capsule with only one window and no controls. To Tara's astonishment, right before the troopers sealed the door, one of them threw her lightsaber in after her. Tara watched from the small window as the door clicked shut and the stormtroopers backed away from the pod. A few seconds later, the engines fired up and the small vessel shot out of the hangar bay quickly ascending into the atmosphere and past the massive Star Destroyers that had shot her down in the first place. When the pod jumped to hyperspace, Tara sat down and closed her eyes, thinking about what would happen next. Score Santarna was meditating, just as she always did when she was angry. And at that moment, she was angry about so many things. The Jedi fleet had disappeared. The Senate was demanding answers on what had happened to it. The Jedi Council was arguing about what to tell the Senate. And worst of all, Skor Santarna herself didn't even know what had happened to the fleet. The door to the meditation chamber whooshed open and a Senate guard officer stepped inside. Apologies for interrupting, Grandmaster, but our sensors have picked up an escape pod floating in space just out of orbit. Our sensors detect that there is a Jedi identification chip aboard, and the code matches that of the one implanted in Tara Vasai, the officer explained. He held out a data pad, and Santarna grabbed it out of his hand, studying what was shown upon it. About time that little idiot showed up. Use the tractor beam to pull her in, Santarna commanded. She stood up and exited the meditation chambers with the Senate officer. Where will she arrive? I want to talk with her immediately. Uh, the pod will land just outside the temple grounds, next to the tractor beam mechanism, he responded. We have a speeder escort ready to deliver you there. Good. And bring some Senate guards, just in case there's something nasty in there. Tara practically screamed with joy when the pod door opened to reveal the planet that she grew up on, with the temple she knew and loved just on the horizon. As she climbed out of the metal pod, she noticed a speeder containing the Grand Master and a few Senate guards hovering just a few feet away. Tara bowed to the Grand Master immediately, ignoring the pain in her back. Where have you been? Skor Santarna yelled at her. We sent an entire fleet after you, and you show up in a tin can? There was a stunned silence, 
Then Terra started blurting out excuses. I'm really sorry, Grandmaster. Our scouting mission was ambushed. My master was killed and I was captured. Captured by who? Who would dare attack a Jedi? Santarna's voice was getting dangerous now. Terra mumbled something inaudible. Speak up, girl! It was the New Empire. They're coming for us, Master. They're coming for us. They have an entire navy of ships and they're going to attack us. And Terra completely dissolved into a mess of tears. The Grand Master's eyes narrowed. She didn't know what the New Empire was, but if they had a navy and were able to kill a fully trained Jedi Master and capture his Padawan, they were certainly a problem. Get me on a call with Kuat Drive Yards now, she shouted at the Senate guards that had accompanied her. She knew that if they were going to have to fight an entire fleet, they would need more than a few rusty old cruisers. The guards scrambled over to the controls of the speeder and then, after hitting a few buttons, gave the Jedi a nod. Santarna bent over the comms panel and spoke clearly into it. This is Grand Master Score Santarna of the Jedi. Is this Kuat Drive Yards? I need to speak with your head of manufacturing. She waited for a couple of seconds. Then a voice came from the speaker that caused Terra to go silent and stare fearfully at the speeder comms panel. Unfortunately, that won't be possible, said the cold, calculating voice of the Emperor. The head of manufacturing is dead, and I have replaced every single member of his staff with my own. The main factory was quite easy to take from my own. The entire place was completely undefended. I'm afraid you'll have to find a different company to build yourself a new fleet. Suddenly, although Terra and the Grand Master could only see it on an electronic billboard nearby, every screen on Coruscant flickered, and a face came up. The smiling face of the Emperor. When he spoke, his voice was heard all around the planet, from every speaker that the New Empire could hack into. Citizens of the Jedi, the time has come. The Jedi are weak and powerless. Their entire fleet, which was their only protection for you, has been destroyed. They cannot provide you with the peace, security, and stability that you need. But I can. I am the solution to all of your problems. Everything that's wrong with your life, power outages, food shortages, the unclean water, all of it is because of the Jedi. The Jedi don't care about you. All they do is sit in their temple and look pretty while countless people suffer because they hoard all the resources for themselves. But that changes today. Because today, you change from citizens of the Jedi to citizens of the new Galactic Empire. His voice echoed all across Coruscant. Terra was shivering on the ground, looking at something only she could see. And now, Scor Santana, I speak directly to you. You and the rest of the Jedi are doomed, and you would be wise to surrender now. Because I will stop at nothing to destroy you. I will slaughter thousands of your soldiers, destroy hundreds of your ships, if it only means I get to shoot you through the head. And all the screens cut to black. Chapter 6 Tara was curled up in her small room in the Jedi Temple, nibbles purring on her lap. 
She absentmindedly stroked him while reading one of her favorite books on a data pad. She had a bactopad pressed on her back wound, which lessened the intense pain she had been feeling earlier. But at least the pain had distracted her from the memory of her master being blown to bits, replaying over and over in her head. She was trying to pretend that she didn't know what was happening, but it was hard to ignore the dark and fearful mood that had settled over the planet after the Emperor's announcement. Everyone knew war was coming, but no one knew when it would happen or how long it would last. The Jedi had imposed a lockdown, and everyone was required to stay at home. Without Kuat Drive Yards, which was their main ship manufacturing facility, the Jedi had needed to resort to alternative manufacturers to produce another fleet. But Terra personally thought they were all idiots for even trying to rebuild their fleet. She had seen the Empire's fleet. She had seen their power. There was no way that the Jedi's second-class ships could make a dent in that kind of navy. They said they were preparing for war, but really they should be preparing for massacre. She should be in the training room right now, practicing deflecting blaster bolts and chopping off fake trooper heads, but she was confined to her room because of her wounds and her fragile emotional state, as the doctors had put it. Her door slid open and her best friend stepped in. She sat down on the bed next to Tara and gave her a hug, carefully avoiding the healing area on her back. Are you okay, Tara? She asked, looking her injured friend in the eyes. Of course you aren't. That's a silly question. Do you want to go down to the cafeteria and get something to eat? It's okay, Penelope. I just want some time. Stay here and talk to me. I've missed you. Tara responded, leaning into her friend's shoulder. And that's what they did. They talked and sometimes even laughed, all the while stroking Tara's cat nibbles. Tara was beginning to feel a lot better until the door opened and a Jedi Knight walked in. Tara Basai, please report to the council chambers immediately. He barked at Tara, who was actually starting to get her spirits up. Tara stood up, and Penelope rose to accompany her. Only Padawan Basai, he clarified, and motioned Tara's friend back to her seat. Tara walked out of her room, leaving a disappointed Penelope behind. She followed the knight through the halls, not knowing what to expect. As she got on the turbo lift, taking her up the central spire, she contemplated what her future might hold. Would she be kicked out of the Order? Would she be given a new master? Would she be left in a ditch, ignored for the rest of her life? As she stepped into the council chambers, she looked at her feet, too afraid to make eye contact with any of the council members. Grandmaster Santarna stood. Padawan Basai, we understand you have spent time in the enemy's main base. We currently have no real information about this new empire, and we think you might. So how about you tell us all about your time on Insipar Major? Tara opened her mouth to start her story, and suddenly she was telling them everything. Everything about her time on Insipar. Everything about the details of the stormtroopers and the Star Destroyers. And the Council listened without interrupting for all of the story. When she was done, Santarna thanked her and told her to stay in the chambers until she was dismissed. Santarna tapped a button on her chair, and a holographic map was projected from a little spot on her armrest. Here's the situation. Since this self-proclaimed emperor made his obscene speech, we have lost contact with five systems in the Outer Rim. When we try to contact them, the only response is the message from earlier today, playing on a loop. Those planets were easy targets for the new empire, since we only had one garrison of troops on each system, and they wouldn't stand a chance against a star destroyer of the magnitude Padawan Basai is describing. I think we can safely assume that the new empire has annexed those systems, Santarna explained. 
On the galaxy map, five planets and their moons started flashing red to signal that they were under control of the Empire. We have five different manufacturers trying to rebuild our fleet, but they're all relatively small, so by the time they are done, the enemy could have captured the whole outer rim. We need to stop them somehow. We know that they have switched the main ship manufacturing facility to Kuat Drive Yards. If we blow up that ship and chip away at their remaining ships, we could be able to hold them off for a lot longer, the Tagruta offered. It can't be that simple. We've had our top theorists analyzing why they have been using Insofar as a main base. We believe that they are using it as a midpoint between the Outer Rim and the Unknown Regions. It is quite possible that they have all the factories and recruiting grounds out there where no one can find them, a Mon Calamari master countered. Everyone quiet, Santarna ordered. There is no way we can destroy them, so the best we can do is stop them from completely invading the galaxy. The five systems that have been taken so far are part of a navigation route that goes straight to the core of the galaxy. We think they are trying to capture that route and use it to launch an assault on the Jedi capital, which is of course Coruscant. Currently, the next system they need to take is the Tarline system. If they don't have that planet, they won't be able to get into the rest of the galaxy. So we stick every remaining bit of our troops on that planet and try to hold them off until our new fleet is ready. Santana clicked another button, and a planet and its stars flashed green, representing the Tarline system. Terra was still standing in the back of the room, watching all of this unfold, completely baffled on how this had anything to do with her. Then Scor Santarna beckoned to her. Now, Tara, you don't have a master. You are a skilled Jedi, powerful with the Force, and we need you on Tarline. That is why I am appointing you as my new Padawan. Santarna told Terra, acting as if being made the Padawan of the Grand Master was something that happened every day. Terra stood there, staring at Grand Master Santarna as if she was some sort of crazy lunatic. Padawan to Grand Master Score Santarna? This is insane. I've only been a Padawan for a year and a half. Terra internally screamed. On the outside, she composed her face, took a deep breath, and nodded. It is an honor, my master. Terra spoke calmly, yet her brain was all over the place. When shall we begin training? Terra tried to contain her eagerness, but some slipped into her face. Score Santarna smiled, but it didn't reach her eyes. We leave for Tarline in one week to support the troops that are already there. So we begin training now, and train every day for the next week until you are the most powerful Jedi you can be. Do you understand? Santarna asked. Terra thought she understood, but nothing could prepare her for the brutal week of training following that day. She trained non-stop, with breaks only for eating and sleeping, of which she only got five hours every night. Soon she could block a blaster shot with her eyes closed, she could lift a rock the same weight as her, and she could go a day without food, using the force to power her through. Before she knew it, the seven days were up, and she woke up to two Jedi soldiers, telling her that her transport was leaving soon. She darted out of bed, hugged Nibbles goodbye, and was out the door in a matter of seconds. Jedi were taught to live sparsely, so she had nothing to pack. She made her way to the main entrance and walked up to her master, who was waiting for her. I'm ready to go, Master, Tara panted. Where's the transport? Tara couldn't hold back the nervousness in her eyes. Her master led her into a newly manufactured ship, 
piloted by a helmeted man with a Jedi symbol on his arm. The ship lifted into the air and jumped to hyperspace. She was on her way to the war front. Chapter 7 Admiral Ral Kest of the New Empire was impatient to move on from Tarline. They had launched their first attack on it three days ago and still had not taken it. The Jedi clearly had no chance of winning this battle, not with their fleet still being a pile of burnt metal floating around Insabar, but they were putting every ounce of energy they had left into holding the Empire back as long as they could. The Jedi losses were skyrocketing every day, while the Empire was sustaining minimal damage. There was a lull in the fighting currently, each side counting their dead. This morning there had been a brutal fight on the beaches of the mostly ocean planet. Tarlan had one main continent that was mainly wind-struck trees and rocks. The shores stretched far and wide, surrounded by a thrashing, dangerous ocean. The Jedi had launched a surprise attack on the Imperial camp. What had resulted was twelve hours of fighting, and no clear winner. The sand had been stained red with blood. Admiral, it appears the Jedi have gained reinforcements. Two transports have just landed near the Jedi outpost on the far side of the moon, a lieutenant reported. Kest gave him an incredulous look. What can two transports do to us? She asked him. We've run further scans on the vessels, and one appears to be the personal transport of Grandmaster Santarna. The lieutenant replied, giving her a nervous look. There seems to be a large amount of radiation coming from the second transport. Oh, looks like the Grandmaster has decided to get her hands dirty. How fun, Ralkest smiled. Contact the Emperor. Tell him that Score Santarna is here. The transports landed on the east side of Tarline with little incident. Terra and her new master stepped out of the ship and surveyed their surroundings. They had landed on one of the many beaches of Tarline, right next to the Jedi outpost, which was extremely overcrowded due to the fact that almost all of the Jedi troops had suddenly relocated there. Terra winced as she saw two soldiers carry a stretcher with a man howling in pain on it. She followed the Grand Master through the chaos of tense, wounded soldiers and yelling to the compound in the middle of the mess. She walked through the doors into a quiet, pristine hallway lined with doors. She was led into a large room lit only by a giant hologram of the planet, about half of it red and the other half green. The room was packed with Jedi, ranging from Padawans to Jedi Masters. Get out of the way! The Grand Master is here! A Jedi Knight shouted. The crowd parted to let Skor Santarna and her Padawan to the center of the room. She expected her master to explain something to her, but Santarna immediately started talking about battle tactics using the big hologram in front of her. Terra felt herself being pushed back as people tried to get closer to see better. Don't they know whose Padawan I am? Terra wondered bitterly as she was squeezed into a dark corner of the room. She was about to jump right back into the fray when she felt a hand on her shoulder. She looked behind her and saw Penelope's smiling face. Tara breathed a sigh of relief as her friend led her out of the room and back into the quiet hallway. You looked as if you needed a break, Penelope said, holding back a laugh. You look funny when you're flustered. Shut up, Tara retorted, smiling anyway. I just don't like the crowds, that's all. How long have you been here? You didn't tell me when you left. I just got here when the fighting began, just about three days ago. I didn't say goodbye because you seem too busy training with your fancy new master. I was just about to go grab something to eat at the cafeteria. I got back from a 12-hour battle about 30 minutes ago. You want to come? Penelope asked. Tara smiled and nodded and walked with her down the hallway and through another door, exiting into a large room dotted with tables. They strolled over to the food bar, which mainly consisted of dried meat and cereal made from some sort of grain. 
They scooped up some of the food onto their plates and sat down across from each other. Penelope reached into her bag and pulled out a deck of sabak cards. Hey, I know you love cards. How about we play a round of sabak? And if I win, you can tell your new master about how amazing I am and how I deserve a promotion, Penelope proposed, a twinkle in her eye. Tara laughed as she grabbed the cards and started dealing herself a hand. And what do I get when I demolish you, she asked, throwing Penelope her cards. You can have my leftovers, Penelope answered, smiling as if that made perfect sense. Tara began to regret her decision. They were halfway through their game, and Tara was easily beating Penelope, when a soldier rushed into the cafeteria. Padawan Basai, the Grand Master is looking for you. Please report to the meeting room, immediately. He nodded to Penelope and left. Tara stood up and hugged Penelope goodbye. Penelope squeezed her hand, and Tara jogged through the halls of the base, back to the room that was once full of people, but now only contained her master. You asked for me, master? Tara asked. Yes, and next time please don't go running off with your friend when I start giving tactical advice, Santana replied, giving Tara an annoyed look. Sorry, master, I was just tired from the trip. Tara tried to explain, guilt building up in her. Her master dismissed it with a wave of her hand. She pressed a button on the controls of the hologram projector and a live cam of a long strip of beach popped up. Now listen up. This strip of beach is one of two ways from their camp to our base. We sent a probe droid into the enemy's command center, and we heard that they are planning to send a scout party along this beach to scout our forces. Santarna began. Tara had a feeling she knew what her master was going to say next. Since it is only a scout party, I think you can handle them, so I'm sending you and your little friend to intercept the stormtroopers and dispose of them. You move out in five minutes. Santarna left the room, leaving Tara to stare at the strip of beach that would soon be covered with bodies. Tara ran back to the cafeteria where Penelope was packing up the cards, and in a rush, she explained everything that her master had just told her, her friend's face growing more and more shocked by the second. So you're telling me that the Grand Master of the Jedi just assigned two Padawans and a couple of soldiers to go defend a key strategic point in the war? Penelope asked, her voice incredulous. Yes, Penny, now get a move on and get your butt on a speeder bike. Tara nearly shouted, her voice panicked. Okay, Tara, calm down. I know you're stressed, but we won't fight well if we're freaking out about our responsibilities, Penelope said sensibly. I am not stressed, Tara exclaimed, clearly stressed. You only call me Penny when you're stressed. Now let's go get our butts on speeder bikes, Penelope smiled. After half an hour of speeder bike riding, Tara and Penelope arrived at the strip of beach with a squad of soldiers. Although this beach was key to winning this battle, it looked like a perfectly normal strip of beach. Are you sure we are in the right place? Tara asked, glancing over at her friend who was unloading the gear from the speeder bikes. Yes, this is the right place, Tara. Now be useful and find a good place to wait to ambush those bucketheads. Penelope shouted back, chucking a blaster pistol at Tara. Tara walked over to a large rock and saw that there was a huge opening on the other side. She yelled to the troops to store the speeder bikes inside, and she went over to help Penelope with the extra supplies. They set up a temporary camp inside the shelter of the rock and waited for the sound of boots on sand. And soon enough, that sound came, and she snapped to get Penelope's attention. She creeped out of the cover of the stone and peered out to see her enemies, expecting to see a mere scouting party, but instead she stifled a scream as she saw what she was supposed to defeat. She turned to Penelope. That's not a scouting party. That's a whole criffing army. 
Chapter 8 It was cold on that beach, but that didn't affect the Emperor. Using the force, he could heat his interior, converting his anger into warmth. And at that moment, he had quite a lot of anger to convert. How dare the Jedi send a spy droid into the Empire's camp? How dare they try to ambush his scouting party? Of course, once he found the droid, he immediately knew he could take advantage of it, and that's why he was on that cold gray beach. He knew the Jedi would try to intercept his scouting party, so he thought he would give them a little surprise. He had gathered an entire legion of his best men, trained by him personally, to take out whatever force the Jedi had sent to intercept his scouting party. He expected to find at least a Jedi Knight waiting for him, but he could only sense two minds who could wield the force, both of them weak-willed and young. Not like him. And one of those weak-willed presences was familiar, a presence he had felt a little over a week ago. Tara, he thought. He signaled to his trooper commander to come over to him. Command Thone, please ready the rocket launchers. Let's flush these weasels out, he ordered, and watched as the commander jogged over to two troopers with yellow pauldrons. They set down the cases they were carrying and took out two rocket launchers that they braced against their shoulders. The Emperor turned to face the rock that he could sense Taro was hiding behind. Ready, aim, fire! The stone above Terra cracked as a massive explosion shook their hiding spot. Run! Penelope shouted as their cover crumbled down toward them. Terra snatched up her saber and darted out of the opening of the rock. The soldiers ran just in time to see the speeder bikes get crushed by the falling rock. The only thing left was the troop carrier they had arrived in. Penny, we don't need the speeder bikes. We can use the force to run just as fast as one. Tell the soldiers to get on that troop carrier and escape inland. Terra shouted. Penelope nodded and started screaming orders at the captain. Terra whirled around to face the advancing troopers. She ignited her bright blue saber, and a barrage of laser fire was suddenly coming at her. She managed to deflect the bolts back at the troopers and watched as three crumpled to the ground, with smoking holes in their chests. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw the troop transport zip away. Penelope grabbed Terra's hand and started running. Terra channeled the force into her legs and ran even faster. Suddenly, she felt a searing pain in the calf of her left leg. She tumbled to the ground, hitting her head on a flat rock. Her vision blurred for a second, and she howled in pain. She opened her eyes and peered at her leg. There was a blackened strip of flesh that was oozing blood. She had been shot. Grab her, a distorted voice shouted over the sound of waves. She saw five stormtroopers surround her and reached down to pick her up. Then there was a flash of green, and the troopers fell to the ground. In their place stood Penelope, her green blade glowing and her teeth bared. She darted forward and cut down four more troopers before the same voice carried over the crowd of stormtroopers. Open fire! And suddenly Penelope was retreating, trying to block the blaster bolts and cover Terra from other attacks at the same time. As Penelope blocked attacks, Terra peered through the white armor, trying to figure out who was shouting orders. She didn't have to look too long because the front line of troopers split down the middle and a tall figure stepped forward. Completely covered in shining black armor with a half cape hanging down his back, he was terrifying. And his helmet didn't help. It was of Mandalorian design but painted a shining black with swirling acid green patterns on it. Protruding from the top of the helmet, there was a ring of pointed silver spikes that looked like they could puncture metal. The man raised his hand, and the blaster fire stopped. Penelope ran over to Terra, 
and examined her wound. The man in black armor reached up and removed his helmet. Tara gasped. She recognized this man all too well, but she didn't think he would ever come to the war front. But nevertheless, the Emperor was here. He pulled a blaster from his belt and pointed it at Penelope's head. Tara, surrender now or your friend dies. The Emperor spoke calmly, as if he weren't holding the life of someone in his hands. Hand me your sabers. Never, Penelope snarled at him. You're never going to take Tara. The Emperor twitched his wrist and fired his blaster. The shot flew right past Penelope's head, singeing her hair as it went past. They both knew the miss was intentional. I won't give you another chance. Tara, hand over your lightsabers, and I will let her live. Tara threw him her lightsaber. He stooped down and stuck it in his belt. Now you, he said, gesturing with his blaster at Penelope. Fanny, just do it, Tara whispered through gritted teeth. Penelope swore under her breath and tossed her saber away. I'm Mandalorian, you know, the Emperor said to Penelope, and I think you are too. This armor I'm wearing is pure Beskar, straight from the mines on Mandalore, so I would suggest putting that blaster away, Tara. You'll only get yourself killed. Penelope glared at the Emperor as Tara dropped her pistol into the sand, scowling. He made a motion with his hand that must have been a signal for his troops, because four of them marched up with shackles in their hands. Suddenly, there was a loud whoosh as the Jedi troop transports smashed into them, causing the four troopers to be thrown into the ground where they lay, unmoving. The Emperor yelled at his stormtroopers to back away. A few seconds later, he was rammed by the transport head-on and was tossed like a ragdoll into the air and hit the ground. Miraculously, he clambered to his feet and fired multiple times at Terra's injured body. But in the time that he was on the ground, Penelope had retrieved her lightsaber, so she was there to save Terra deflecting all three bolts back into the Emperor's chest, doing nothing besides enraging him further. A group of the stormtroopers surrounded the Emperor in a protective circle and slowly began to back away. The captain of Terra's squad jumped out of the troop transport and carried her through the open door. Penelope jumped in after her, and they sped away, the transport being peppered by blaster fire. Ten minutes later, the transport pulled into a hidden canyon they had found just off the coast. In the cover of this hiding place, the Jedi troops had set up a makeshift camp. They had used the meager supplies of weaponry to put up weak defenses around the camp. A soldier rushed forward to Penelope, who was carrying Terra to a flat rock. Somewhere along the ride, Terra had fallen unconscious from the pain. It seemed her back wound had opened up again from the fall. We managed to secure a channel that will allow us to contact the main outpost, the soldier said eagerly. Hopefully we can have them send reinforcements. Get me on a call with the Grand Master immediately, Penelope commanded. The soldier nodded and brought over a data pad. He tapped some buttons and a hologram of Scor Santarna popped up. She was making no effort to hide her impatience. Have you disposed of the scouting party yet? She demanded. And why am I speaking to you? Where is my Padawan? Penelope let out a sigh and began to explain everything that had happened. So basically, we need reinforcements. Lots of them. Penelope finished off wincing at the Grand Master's angry face. Fine. I can send you three more squads of troopers. That's all I have to work with, the Grand Master said. Another battle is started up over on the west shore, so those are all the troops I can spare right now. Penelope sighed and nodded. The call ended, and Penelope went over to sit next to Terra, who was currently being tended to by the only medic they had. The only thing we can do about her leg right now is stick some back on it and wait for it to heal, 
the medic said. But we need to stitch her back up again. It's going to be very painful for her, but it needs to be done. Penelope squeezed Tara's hand and nodded. The medic turned Tara over so her back was facing up and sliced open the top of her shirt, revealing a nasty, bleeding scar. The medic lifted up his needle and began reapplying the stitches. He was only two minutes into the process when Tara woke up and began screaming in pain. The burnt part of her back wound where the lightsaber had touched her only a week earlier was still red and raw, and Penelope could only imagine how painful it would be to have a needle stuck into burnt flesh. Penelope held Tara's hand and tried to talk her through it, but eventually Tara fell unconscious again, and Penelope went off to greet the arriving reinforcements. Three more troop transports came through the hidden entrance into the canyon and started unloading packs upon packs of supplies. You certainly came prepared, Penelope said to the leader of the reinforcements. He just nodded and continued to set up further defenses. Penelope smiled when they brought out a heavy repeating blaster cannon. Suddenly, an idea struck her. Penelope sat at the one hollow projector they had for about an hour, gazing at maps of the beach they were on, trying to figure out the details of her plan, until she felt a hand on her shoulder. She turned to see Tara smiling behind her. You're not looking so good, Penelope smiled, glancing at Tara's exhausted face. Is your leg feeling better? I can walk, but I certainly won't be doing backflips anytime soon, Tara replied, sitting down on the other side of the hollow projector. What's your plan for getting rid of an entire legion of stormtroopers? Penelope just grinned at her.